Welcome to the Game and Gadget Podcast. I'm James Woodcock from Pixel Refresh, and today I have with me, of course, my co-host, Tony Warner. How are you, Tony? Not so bad, thanks. Not so bad. Well, it's been a while since we've recorded the last one, so this is mostly, if not 100%, my fault. My health has not been great, but I'm feeling much better now. I've just got a bit of a tickly cough, so if I keep muting and just keep seeing me go, for those watching video, I'm basically reenacting a fake cough, then you'll know James is just coughing. And I'm sure Tony will jump in with a nugget of information to cover my cough cover disaster. The yeah. Exactly. It's important, you know, important. Okay. So, Tony, what I have been sort of enjoying over a number of months, or shall I say a bit of despair over the number of months, is trying the different music streaming services that are out there. As much as I love physical CD, and I would rip those to my computer... I've got a nice little Plex server, so I could, from an app on my phone or an app on my computer or Google TV, I could stream my audio CDs pretty much anywhere I wanted. But music streaming, obviously, has been this thing that's been ramping up in success and people's interest. And mostly I've been with Spotify. Same. And And they've treated me well. But then there was always that craving that I knew as good as Ogvorbis is as a music codec, which is what Spotify use predominantly. It wasn't CD quality. It wasn't lossless. I always felt like even if I couldn't always hear it, I knew I was getting not the same experience I had before. And it was niggling at me. Can you tell that? And of course, Spotify... I can, yeah. Not in every track, I'll be honest. Yeah. I'm getting older, so my hearing range is obviously going to close and close as I get older. Mm. But I can, particularly on my setup downstairs, I've got a nice setup on my computer here. Um, not so much in the car. But I've got some really nice Sony headphones, and if they're wired in, I can tell the difference. Mm. It's not 100%. I think if anyone says they can 100% tell you per track, I don't think they're being completely honest. Yeah. I find it harder to discern between lossless CD quality and the high res bit rates. I think that is a, a harder push. But again, it's nice to have whatever the the source music quality is, the, the master quality that would come out of the studio. Great. I'm all for that. It gives choice. Why not? But Spotify gave out this carrot that... In February 2021, they announced that Spotify Hi-Fi, which was essentially lossless CD audio, was coming that year. Well, it's 2022 in February, and we're still waiting for Spotify's answer to that. 
And I think that's been disrupted by Amazon Music and Apple Music saying, we have lost this music now. And guess what? It's no extra charge. It's part of your standard premium, whatever it is, subscription. That is enticing. Right. So because Spotify seemed rigid and were really delaying very well, no information was coming out about when they were going to release the hi-fi service. I was getting itchy. I wanted to move and try some of the other services and there's certainly plenty of free trials out there at the month or three months with whoever mm. I was with tidal for a while, but then they use MQA, which is quite a controversial. It's another codec that promises studio quality sound, but it's lossy again. It's compressed at certain stages and you need special hardware to get the full effect and blah, blah, blah. That sounds far too complicated. I just want lossless audio. But the, so title was put, sorry, go on. Sorry. Uh, Tidal's uh, entire sales pitch was, was based on lossless mega quality though, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was their MQA. So they had, you could, in theory, you can choose CD quality lossless, or you can go a step above and have MQA. Mm. But MQA is going lossy again. I don't want another compressed sound. Again, I feel like I'm losing potentially song information there. As good as it may be, the compression algorithms and the unfolding, as they call it, and maybe if you've got the, the full-on MQA hardware that does it properly, maybe it sounds just as good. But all of that, when I just could have a lossless file, seems a bit silly. Mm. You wouldn't have thought it would be a problem actually streaming this stuff these days because, I mean... I mean, even even lossless audio is nothing compared to video, is it? And you, you know, Netflix are streaming video to seven hundred million people or whatever it is, um, high def most of it, presumably. Uh, you know, compared to that, a bit of audio is is it's neither here nor there, is it? Exactly that. Exactly that. Maybe when MQA was first being discussed and formalised as a solution to this. Technology moves on, and when I'm, I've got uh, unlimited data on my mobile phone contract. So streaming lossless, there may be patches where it drops down to AAC because I'm using Apple Music now. Just as it sort of realizes, oh, I've not got enough bandwidth right now, but then it will jump up back to lossless, and then it can jump up again to high res if that file is available. And it's fairly seamless. You just notice this little slight jump as it does it, but it's tolerable, <laughs> particularly seeing as I'm driving along. It's like, yeah, it's great. I'm listening to CD quality or above most of the time. So that's great. Um, and like I say, Spotify just seemed really slow on hi-fi. We're still waiting for it a year later. So I, I thought I've got to dabble. So I tried Tidal, wasn't a big fan of MQA as a concept. Nothing against MQA personally, but as a concept, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced on it. Apple Music and Amazon. Um, I looked at Amazon. I was with them for a while. Great. But my wife loves to use Google Assistant because that's where our house is pretty much. Set. It's all Google Assistant stuff. I ain't got one Amazon Alexa speaker or anything like that. Good. But their service wants you to use Alexa to do voice control for music. Well, when my wife walks into the kitchen and she wants to cook something for us that night, she just wants to say, Google play music. Can't do that with Amazon. And so that was a, a bit of a loss. 
and also for Chromecast devices, which of course, being Google, we're heavily invested in. I've got Chromecast audios and Chromecast TVs and whatever. Amazon wouldn't have the lossless files then for Chromecast. So, that, so it didn't tick all the boxes. Then I looked at Deezer. They did have Chromecast lossless, but we didn't like the app very much <laughs> compared to some of the other services. Mm. So that had not all the tick boxes. Then we went on to Apple Music. Apple Music supports Google Assistant, which is pretty special. This is Apple. They have a fairly decent Android app, which plays lossless. Even Dolby Atmos music. And I've got an Apple TV 4K downstairs, so I can hear everything in lossless downstairs. Hear Dolby Atmos music, which is pretty special. We can talk about that later if you want. So Apple Music ticks most of the boxes, except for Chromecast, where, again, it doesn't support lossless and probably never will because they want you to use AirPlay and whatnot. Mm. But it ticks enough for now. <clears throat> but still, it's that of all these music services, none tick all the boxes, mm. which seems, considering how many we've got, silly and a bit ridiculous. But another kicker in the teeth for Apple Music, if you have a Windows machine and I do, along with my Mac and other things, if Apple's truly into this services mantra, they've got to have a Windows Apple Music app that supports lossless, which they don't have. Do they have any Windows app? They have still the aging old iTunes, which will play Apple Music, standard AAC quality, compressed, which again is probably good for m most people. But I'm looking for lossless, and I can't get it on Windows. Right. If there's one thing in the world that's, that's worse than Windows, James, it has to be iTunes, doesn't it? So it's <laughs> Particularly iTunes on Windows. <laughs> exactly. If there's any one that suffered, it was iTunes on Windows. But yeah, so it's been a real battle. Not an attractive proposition, is it? No, so, you know, thinking about my original CDs and Plex, it was like, mm, this is actually tempting to just fold back and go to that but. Hey, but I'm with Apple Music for now. They tick most of the boxes. Right. I love the Dolby Atmos spatial audio. That works really well on my Dolby Atmos surround downstairs. Right. Not so much of a big fan with the headphone stuff, but, you know, mm. it's it's just an extra thing. And, and unfortunately, ironically, Dolby Atmos music is a lossy format. It's compressed again. <laughs> mm. So I'm kind of going forwards, kind of going backwards. Mm. Well, I'm I'm a Spotify um, subscriber for for many years, um, and I, I always thought that I was you know, I kind of did it for political reasons in a way, and that in that even though I'm the world's biggest Apple fan, I kind of thought there was too much power. Like I didn't I didn't want to have too many services tied to Apple, so I, I've always had it so that I can switch switch from a, a, an iPhone to an Android phone with with minimum pain if I had to. So I've always kept services and, and like email and, and music and everything like completely separate so that I can, ch I can like compartmentalize everything and, and, and chop one of the elements out and, and be unaffected, you know, if you see, so I can swap osses and, and, and it doesn't really affect me that much, you know? So I've always been wary of being too tied into Apple in that respect. So, so I never, I never, I never even run uh, Apple music. I've, I've never used it in my life. Um, I certainly don't subscribe to it, um, but then recently, this jo this what's his name, Joe Rogan, whatever thing, 
Oh yeah. yes, I kind of thought. Hang on, that no, Spotify are not are not the they're not the cool little startup plucky little star you know fighting the evil big guys that I thought they were. They're just as bad, you know, because they've made mm-hmm. a you know they've made a huge mistake with this guy, presumably. Um, depending on your position on the world, I guess. I mean, he, I understand he's very popular, but uh, he, he, you know, he's, he's, what he's talking about is not—he's not the sort of thing I'm interested in. So I thought, I know, I'm just going to—I'm going to join this mass resignation from Spotify and, and quit the service and go to Apple Music. You know, um, so I kind of looked at it and I thought, what's the downside to this? And I, and I was going, well, you know, it should just be a quick, quick swap. You know, I know, I know what music I like. I mean, I've got a huge list of albums, like on spotify kind of bookmarked in the in the list but but you know so what i know what they all are so and 90 percent of them i don't listen to most of the time I, I tend to be focused at any given time on on a particular two or three bands you know so at the moment i'm 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 literally just listening to gus gus because uh, they're the latest thing and that's and that's and a lot of the stuff i'm listening to with them is on youtube um, which I'm ripping into MP3 and listening over the Sonos, you know, so uh, <laughs> to 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 wander off the original point. So I look, I booted up Spotify and thought I'm going to close this down, and and I, and then I suddenly realised what I've got on Spotify is one massive playlist of of individual tracks called Good, <laughs> and it's got it's got 300 odd, maybe 400 now tracks. And, I, and I, I, sometimes I pick a point within it and let it play and, and play it all day or in the car, I let it play on random, whatever, you know, but this, but by my, in theory now, my, my entire music listening is, is based largely around this playlist. And I suddenly thought, I, how can I get this playlist out of Spotify and into Apple music? And, and I bet I can't like half of it would drop to bits. If, even if you could export it, which I don't think you can. Half of it would drop to bits because, 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 because of licensing. Like I've got tracks on there that have disappeared now because they've lost the licensing on Spotify. So it's going to be twice as bad if I move service. Uh, so then I thought I can't do it, can I? Because it's what, how, what would I do? I'd have to like, I'd have to like screenshot portions of this playlist, print them all out, and then try and rebuild it in Apple Music. And I thought I can't be bothered to do that. I've got good news for you, Tony. Have you? So, being mostly with Spotify over the years, I had a library of over 6,000 tracks. When I went to Amazon temporarily, I just put in as many as I could, like, here's an album, great, here's an artist, great, I'll just add them quickly. And I got close to it, but it was a very quick and nasty job way of doing it. But there is a website, and the one I've used in the past is tune my music. So what I did, I subscribed to Apple Music, I deleted what I did have in there, and then I used this service. I think it's about $5 for the month. But you can literally subscribe for one month, cancel it, and for that you can transfer all your Spotify, library music, and indeed playlists then to services like Apple Music. Great. Just make sure, if you've ever used Apple Music before, you've got a library there existing, if you try and transfer from Spotify to Apple Music that way, you will get duplicates. Mm-hmm. So you best actually, if as long as you're sure that what's in Spotify has got everything you've got, to take out everything you've got Apple Music library and then do the transfer, and then it's fairly clean. The only downside is it doesn't always pick the right album version. 
So you may have, here's just a random one that will be on my <laughs> eclectic music collection, Lighthouse Family, just, just popped into my head as an example. If I've got an album of the Lighthouse Family on that library of Spotify, when it goes to Apple Music through this transfer process, 90% may, of the tracks may come from that album, but then for some reason, two or three may come from a compilation album of Top of the Pops or whatever else. Yeah, yeah. So it's not completely seamless, but, mm. you know, to get your 95% of the way there, it's pretty effortless. Yeah, interesting. Chew my music. Chew my music. It still sounds like a bit of a faff, doesn't it? But... I don't know. In about half an hour, and that's literally waiting for it to do its thing more so than clicking around. But, you know, if actual hands-on time in about 10 minutes, you can transfer your library and your playlists right. for the actual telling it what to do bit. And then you just leave it for an hour or whatever it may be. Probably I'd know this if I'd actually gone to the lengths of Googling it because um, there's always there's always some clever person doing, doing a service like that, isn't there? Exactly, yeah. And there's... Chimar Music is certainly not the only one. It's just the one I've found quite reliable and the one I've used. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So you're not tied in. But some music services have limitations of whether you can read from them, whether you can write to them. And writing to them is usually the... Amazon's a bit trickier. I, but Apple Music wasn't a problem. I'm an Apple Prime, uh, an Amazon Prime customer, so presumably I've actually got Amazon Music. As an Amazon Prime customer, you'll have like a limited set limited of tracks so it won't be the full thing really but you'll get as being a prime member you'll get a discount for the subscription to amazon music screw them <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, it all I, depends on the ecosystem you're in what devices you have how you know how dead set are you that you've got to have losses on this one device or whatever it really depends on personal preference yeah well i'm not i'm not that I'd, i think i'm well i mean i think i'm not that bothered about lossless because uh i i'm wondering if i'd tell the difference i mean i i've in, as you know i've improved my music a great deal by buying decent headphones so i've got the m4s which i think you have which indeed which are good you know i mean maybe maybe lossless stuff coming over it will suddenly sound even better i mean it's hard to imagine it's hard to imagine it can sound better than it already does you're telling me it will. I Again, it depends on personal preference and hearing levels and age, I'm sure, comes into it as well, as I said earlier. But to me, I can hear the difference on the vast majority of tracks. Therefore, I value having lost this audio. And again, it's, it's, a, it's just knowing in your head. All those CDs I had, their CD quality lost this audio and somehow we've gone backwards to go for this compression. Let's enjoy what was put out the studio. And if you're using something like Apple Music, it's not just CD quality, it may be higher. Maybe 24-bit instead of 16-bit quality like a CD. Maybe 96 kilohertz instead of 44 kilohertz like a CD, and so on and so forth. So yeah. I really feel like I'm getting what the artist wanted out there in the world you're getting for a service like Apple Music. And it's not just Apple Music. Amazon's lossless is just as capable mm -hmm. but again it's, it's a mindset i want whatever the artist created to be in my ears the best as possible there's a whole other conversation about okay if we use xm4s and we're using bluetooth well that's compressing the audio and i get that yeah yeah exactly. but that misses one key fact that if you're 
let's say you listen to Apple Music without lossless or Spotify, which is all lossy still. You're taking an already compressed file and then you're sending it over to your headphones and you're compressing it again. Mm. And anyone who's ever compressed an MP3 twice by mistake or thinking, hey, it's 320 kilobits a second, I can get this down to 128 to play on my portable player or whatever it was years ago. Mm. You're just what you're just making those artifacts in the audio file worse by going through this compression and then the compression again. Very so why not have the, the clearest source, have the headphones compressed to, I mean, if you've got XM4s and you're using an Android phone, you can use Sony's LDAC, which is great. Very high bit rate if you set the settings in a particular way. Mm. And it's, it's pretty close to lossless if you stick it to the CD quality selection. Mm. Yeah, well... Maybe I, I mean, I, I also sometimes think about buying buying a CD player again, but but then I'd need, Ooh. but then I'd need, but then I got my speakers are Sonos, and I can't plug, I couldn't plug Sonos speakers into into a into a CD into a CD system, could I? So I'd have to new, buy a new. Uh, then I'd be looking, I'd be going down that that horrendous rabbit hole of what speakers to buy. It's, it's like it's like how do you ever know which speakers to buy? I remember yeah. all that stuff from the past, you know, trying to figure that out. <laughs> it's kind of gone away, that, that whole problem, hasn't it? There's a certain convenience, definitely, to having these music streaming services. It's not just the, I mean, there's millions and millions and millions and millions upon tracks available on pretty much whatever platform you go on. You know, I can't have a library that anywhere close to that, and I probably wouldn't ever need a library as big as that. But, you know, if there's a new CD release, I want to listen to it on day one, great, it, it's there. If I want to listen to something from the 1950s, Chances are, great, it's there. And I've got it on my phone, I've got it on my Apple TV, I've got it on my Google Chromecast to stream it to. Pretty much every device in the house, I can take advantage of that somehow. And if I had a CD player, while well, I'm locked into using it in one place and one place only, I don't think I could go back to that world anymore. Mm. And yeah. particularly while I'm driving along in the car, having a 6,000 plus trap library just to have on random, I never know what you're going to get. That's, I mean, can you remember when we have CD card changers? Yeah. I mean, they were fantastic. You can have six CDs in your car at once. Woohoo! Six albums. <laughs> that was um, the dream at the time. I remember some people had a big box in the boot, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bit, it's not far removed from a car, a car telephone, is it? No. So that was the thing once. I do kind of miss CDs. And again, I guess it's why people love vinyl. It's that physical, I can pick something up and put it in the player and feel that something's happening. Yeah, yeah. But one thing CD never took advantage of, like vinyl did, once you put the CD in the tray, it was gone. You couldn't see what was happening. It was all left to the digital display to say, oh, okay, track one and five seconds, six seconds, seven seconds in. But vinyl, I used to hypnotise myself just watching it go round and round and round. You see, you're talking about the, the, the marvellous days of, of, of CDs, but when CDs came out, I mean, everyone, the, the people, the people a bit like you, were saying, we're not going to listen to these awful, awful, soulless, flat, digitised music things. We're going to stick with the nice, warm sound yeah. of vinyl you know that's and we're gonna we're gonna stick to that and we're not gonna move you know we're not gonna go digital at all but now we're going oh yeah cds those are the days you know yeah but what's 
Vinyls become more prevalent. Certainly a lot more people using and playing and buying vinyl. I think around here, there's, it's actually easier to buy a record on vinyl than it is on CD. <laughs> but what really gets me is about the new vinyl releases when they say digitally remastered, and that just makes me laugh every time I see that on a vinyl. <laughs> Great. If you're buying an old vinyl from the 80s, okay, I can, I can get into the nostalgia trip with you. But if it says digitally remastered on the vinyl, for goodness sake, you might as well just get the CD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah the, the fun of music streaming services. So because of the Joe Rogan podcast then, have you actually switched to Apple Music permanently? No, no. When I looked at it, for I thought, I'm going to do this now. You know, it's just like offhand one evening. And, then, and I booted it at Spotify right. and I looked and I saw my playlist and I thought, ah. Uh, how am I going to do that? And then I stopped. And that was. Just, and then I thought, well, maybe I've this is a protest. This is a protest too far. I'll, I'll leave it for now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe twenty minutes. You'll be sorted. And I'm paying full whack for Spotify as well because I've got the family thing. And like all sorts of people are sponging off me. <laughs> we can have the same apple again on Apple Music. Yeah, I bet I can. They've still got the family plan. I think it's. Fifteen pounds a month. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like the same thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I don't know. And the other thing about Spotify was that in a while ago, I mean, it, it seems to have got worse actually. But in every Monday, there's the there's the Discover playlist thing that they build for you based on. Um, uh, and it used to. I mean, I've discovered. I have actually discovered a lot of music because of that thing. I mean, I sometimes listen to it, and you know, it's like thirty tracks, isn't it? So you so you spend like a day listening to it. And maybe you'll get two, two tracks out of it that are worth bookmarking. And okay, very occasionally, you might discover a new band that way. And it used to be really good. Like at first, there's there's lots of new stuff coming out of it. And I was thinking, wow, these people are geniuses because all this music I like. But now, now it seems to have, it seems to have regressed slightly, and, and and it's not quite as good. I mean, they're playing stuff, and I'm going, what the hell is this? You know, I'm going skip 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 and i'm wondering do they learn when do they learn when you skip are they going oh look he skipped this track he hates it so we'll never play anything like that again well they don't seem to be they seem to be like dishing it out more and more you know they should know and they should i mean they used to be great and it seems to have got worse so that I mean that's that goes against them as well I haven't used that for a while. Is there like a dislike or anything on it? Well, there isn't. You see, you should be able to go like, not like, and, and like, you, like you're feeding the algorithm, you know. I mean, you know, let's not let's not pretend we don't know what's going on. I mean, it's an algorithm. So, you know, we, we're happy to, I'd be happy to work with that and, and tell them what I like and what I don't like. But they're, they're kind of doing it in a, in, in a hidden way. So, I mean, do I have to... I mean, there is, a, there is a little heart thing, isn't there? But then it starts putting individual tracks in your library, and I don't want individual tracks in, in my library. I want to put them in my... If it's an individual track, I'll put it in, a, in the playlist, the, 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 the good playlist. Yeah, <laughs> it'll go in there. And, and occasionally I'll go, oh, this track's so good, I'm going to listen to the album that it's come from. And then if I like the album, I'll put... I'll, 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 I'll like it, and it'll go in the list of albums. And occasionally I'll listen to the whole thing in one, in one go. Um, but that, are they learning from that? Or are they just learning from how often I play something? You know, I don't know. I don't actually know how it works. Probably I could Google that as well and someone, someone might know and you could figure it out. But I, I suspect it's just going on how much you play something. But in which case, 
it should be playing me a lot more music that I like, given that I'm, I'm at any given time I'm generally playing only only three or four tracks over and over and over again. It does make me wonder how much is an artist has paid us this much to uh, bump this up in nature <laughs> playlist recommendations. Yeah, I don't know if that goes on, but I'd be surprised if it didn't. I well, it's a good point actually, and it shouldn't, should it? They should be transparent about it if they are, and I've got no evidence to say that they are. I haven't used that feature in quite a while. I mean, I, I read how it worked once, and, and it was like, you know, they're, they're going, well, you, you you seem to play these three bands a lot, so they, they kind of look they kind of look at the user base that also plays those three tracks, and then and then it will it'll say, is there a is there a common fourth? source of music that all of the people that like these three like and if there's a fourth one in common then it'll start playing you the fourth one so that you can you can hopefully like it for the same reason as everyone else did and it, and you that the fourth one will join join your your uh your your list of stuff you like and then it goes on from there i mean and that that makes a lot of sense and you can see how that would work and and supposedly that's what they do it just seems to have got worse and unless maybe it's just run out of things to suggest you know because i keep thinking i must have discovered all the music i like in the world and and unless it's waiting to be written there's nothing else you know but you see i've only been listening to gus gus in the last three months and and that's existed for the last 20 years i mean the track i'm listening to at the moment over and over and over again called over is was written in 2011 or something or something like that so i mean it's been around ages and it's only just popped up so maybe there's loads more out there that I would love. Um, I'm sure there is, but how clever an algorithm is they've got and how dedicated you are to listening to one type of music. I wouldn't envy any algorithm trying to figure out what I like to listen to because it, well, it will literally change from day to day what I'm listening to. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, God bless them. YouTube are doing a slightly better job because they're they're they've figured out that I'm watching videos of uh, live videos of, of Gus Gus constantly. So they're actually shelling out more of that. And I'm going, oh, I'll watch that one then. And so you know, th those guys know what they're doing. You know, they're just they're just good. Yeah, yeah this guy's just he's just listening to Gus Gus stuff. So we're just gonna we're just gonna push that at him. You know, I mean. The problem with YouTube is it, it's pushing something else out. So someone else who, are, who I was watching on a completely different subject, they're, they're probably pushed out now in favor of this, these, this music because they don't know it's music or it could be, it could be Tesla's or it could be how to repair BBC micros or something. It's whatever it is. You watch two videos <laughs> in a row and, and that's what you're going to get for mm. the next week, you know? Absolutely. But in no, a way, I've always quite... found YouTube recommendations pretty good for when it comes to videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't stand YouTube music though. <laughs> Don't well, try that. Presumably not. The problem with YouTube music was, it's certainly not like Apple Music or Spotify when you're trying to find the track that you want. And it's nice that you can play a video, mm. but the times you would get a live performance instead of like what you'd expect on again a CD or something, it was happening far too often, or it's just some obscure remix or some cover version and it was just like no can't be doing with this anymore mm. but for actually watching videos not music wise you know youtube's great except for all the 50 bajillion ads 
Yeah, I don't get ads on the computer. I get ads on the TV, which which drive me insane. Uh, but on the computer, I don't get them. I don't quite understand why that is. But it's it's a it's a relief, whatever the reason is, because I mean they're they're really really irritating on the telly. Yeah, I mean I was on YouTube Premium for quite a while, but it was eleven ninety nine a month, and that was okay when I was watching YouTube a lot. It made sense, but. It also includes YouTube Music, which I don't need. I'm paying another provider for that, mm. so therefore I feel like I should be paying six ninety nine or seven ninety nine tops, not twelve pounds a month. It's, it's, so I've had to let that go and go back to watching all the ads. There's too many services, and everyone thinks they're the only people that exist in the world. You know, they, mm -hmm. they all want ten quid or something, and it's like, well, you know, you you, you think you're the sole sole subscription service in the entire world, but actually, I've, I've got. A massive list of subscriptions to all manner of different things and you can't all have eight quid or ten quid off me you know yeah that's the problem i mean i used to be subscribed to netflix for a long time but currently i've just paid the year subscription in advance for disney plus got rid of netflix we'll enjoy that for the year and then in the year I can go back to netflix do a few months subscription and binge what we've missed now still and make another decision then we could we couldn't get rid of netflix Netflix is, per, it's permanent. It's Netflix. So they, they, no matter what they do, they can put Joe Rogan on like top billing, and we're still, we're, we're still going to have to stay there. Just, there you go, Netflix. <laughs> you can do it. Uh, 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 yeah. No, they have Jimmy Carter course controversy there. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind him. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Netflix is too much on Netflix. Too much good stuff. No, it was just typical. As soon as I cancelled Netflix, the new series of Lost in Space released, and I thought, oh, great. I'd love to have watched that. But yeah. never mind. I can be patient. So we've got Disney Plus for now. We've got Amazon Prime for the delivery stuff, and, of course, you get the movie stuff along with that. Yeah. Amazon, actually, Prime, we're watching the most because my wife, being from the Philippines, she loves classic movies. She cannot get enough of it. We've literally watched films from 1938 because she just loves seeing the old buildings, the old cars, the old appliances. Right. So it's like this whole new world for her, and she's just loving every minute of it. And some classic films are terrible, yeah, but some are actually very funny or very well scripted. So it's been fun on Prime, who do seem heavily invested in lots of classic movies, just to watch and dabble on there. Prime is good. I mean, there's some good stuff on Prime. Prime would be difficult to get rid of as well. I mean, I've just finished The Expanse, which was great, you know. And if you want to watch it, you've got to be on Amazon Prime, you know. What really annoyed us, actually, what, what really annoyed me about uh, It's not often that things annoy me, James. <laughs> no but comment. They, uh, you might have heard of a series called The Great, which is about Alexander the Great in Russia. And, and it's really a really great series and really funny and well written and all the rest of it. But they, that's on like a sub sub brand of, of Amazon. It's like you have to subscribe to like they call it Stars or something like that. And oh, they okay. want they want another twelve quid a month to to subscribe for that. But luckily, you can for this one series that's really great, you can subscribe to that through Amazon, binge the whole lot through of this series for all ten of them in like a week and then cancel the thing, you know, so you've just paid 10 quid for 
<laughs> to watch this one series, which I suppose is all right, you know. Fair enough, but it's a bit. It's a, that's what annoys me about Amazon. It's like they want you to pay for extra stuff. It becomes more like bundles you'd get with Sky or something like that, doesn't it? Then, well, that's what we're fast turning into, isn't it? The irony is, I subscribed to Netflix and thought I don't want Sky anymore. I don't want all these bundles of channels, and it's getting very expensive. Netflix might be a good alternative for that. Break away from the cable, and guess what? Now there's Paramount Plus and Netflix and Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus and goodness knows how many more are going to come around the corner. Well, I couldn't see much to watch on on Apple stuff, to be honest. Um, Disney Plus is proving pretty good because obviously it's got the Star Wars things and it's got which are which are actually not bad. You know, the Boba Fett thing is is, is at the moment is pretty good. Uh, they got all the Simpsons. Straight into the yeah. Simpsons, that's good. Uh, they've got uh, Walking Dead that you don't have to pay for, unlike Amazon, who are, who are trying to charge you to watch Walking Dead. You know, I'm, I'm giving them, I'm giving them what it is, ninety quid or something for Prime. I'm booting up the player. I'm going, oh look, Walking Dead. I'm going to watch the latest series, and they're going, oh, can we have five quid an episode? <gasps> Jeff, the outrage. Jeff, you're the richest man in the world. You're not having <laughs> five quid for, for Walking Dead. <laughs> You're just not. It's too. It's too late. Well, Amazon Prime's just gone up in the US twenty dollars, so I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah, twenty quid. <laughs> I would think. I mean, that would be yeah, painful. Address to get, that. It'd be painful to get rid of Prime, but um, I don't know. Well, given the state of everything at the minute, energy prices and cost of living and stuff, I think this is going to be a harder sell. All these subscription services. Music's probably the one I'm definitely going to stick with regardless. But when it comes to things like Netflix, Amazon Prime, and all the rest of it, it's like, well, they can go. I'll manage. I'll watch all my old films again, or I've got TV series box sets I can watch again. I'll manage. I'll save a few pennies. Yeah. Actually, Blu-rays and DVDs are a pretty good value. You can go, you know, we've got... Uh what they call a sex shop down just literally 200 yards away and you know as in C i'm really worried about this connection but carry C on as in cex computer exchange and you, you, you oh go god you know, you know, <laughs> yeah we've got a great sex shop <laughs> but, i'm glad for the clarification oh, Thank no, you. That's, that's, that's the other podcast isn't it sorry um <laughs> no no you, you, you go down to the computer exchange and you and you know you can get a pretty great film for like three quid or something you know it's not bad actually because then you can stick it on you can stick it on ebay for like four quid and uh, you know <laughs> that that's a lot better value than than paying jeff bezos um 3.99 to watch one film it is um never forget charity shops they have some dvds and blu-rays really really cheap we tend to take so them an opportunity. rather than buy them but yeah um eBay, yeah, they do have some offers on. I watch Hot UK deals for any sales. I like seeing. I still like to buy 4K video discs. Oh yes, if the price isn't terribly unreasonable. So, ironically, film was like the one bastion where I thought I cannot go streaming. I can maybe to watch it as a rental or a Netflix or something, but to actually have a physical copy, I know I would watch several times 
I wanted the the premium experience, i.e., I want a 4K Blu-ray. I think you're right there. And uh, uh, you know, talking about you know music, whether you can tell or not, uh, you know, we watched uh, June uh, 4K, which just came out end of January, and you could see it. You know, we don't have a massive turn. It's it's 60 inches or something like that, 55, 60. I don't know, but it you know you can see a, a 4K video. You can you can see it. You know the picture is great and so watching dune you know i don't know what it was 20 quid or something it's probably it's probably worth it yeah that's a good but unfortunately if (laughs) the rest of this conversation goes then i saw the quality on apple movies streaming 4k so i've had again it's not music streaming services not all of them tick all the boxes necessarily and even buying 4k blu-ray so I could buy a 4K Blu-ray movie if I was to buy it on day one because it was like this big blockbuster hit I had to have on day one. £25. And then you'd hope it'd have Dolby Vision. Not necessarily. So even if on the movie streaming services, like Apple, there was a Dolby Vision of that. Nope. On the 4K Blu-ray, you may just get HDR10, which is standard HDR, instead of like the all singing or dancing HDR. Right. So that's annoying, because when you buy the dish, you expect it to be the best of the best. Nope, it can have missing features that the streaming services have. Really weird. Mm. And then if I buy it on Apple, it tends to be 13.99 instead of £25. So, it's, I, so I'm, I'm looking at it as... Is there a lot of action in this movie? Is there anything that's going to be really pushing the bit rate of the video codec where it may see a little blurrier on the Apple movie service than it would on the 4K physical disc where they've got a much bigger bit rate capacity? But in general, I found the quality of Apple movies really good. Really? And I'm quite happy often to buy films on there and I've got quite a collection on there now. But still, if it's a real big blockbuster and I want the premium experience, particularly for the audio side of things. So an Apple movie just like all the other movie services. It'd be a lossy compression. We're back to that again. But if we, if you have the 4K Blu-ray, it's going to be lossless. So there we go. But, you know, in terms of video and audio quality, it's not going to be as good as a disc. But it gets very close, and it's about half the price. And again, it's convenience. I don't have to order a disc and wait for it delivered. I don't have to find the disc in my big box of discs. I just go, no, there it is in the library. I fancy that today. Bink. Thank you very much. Mm. Fragmentation. It's, uh, it's, the, it's, it's never going to be solved, is it? No. And I can see why a lot of people have been put off by... Um, movie services where you actually buy the movie because between them i used to i brought a couple off google and the quality was nowhere near as good Mm. the microsoft video service which i wouldn't recommend to anyone in the sense of it's really only on xbox if you want to watch it on anything else forget it but the quality of that there was pretty good but apple i found to be generally the best for the video and audio quality stuff I don't think owning, but Google not. 
I don't think this notion of owning a movie digitally in some library on some server somewhere is really worth the paper it's not even written on because um, companies... Technically, you don't own it. You don't own it. Uh, you've got access to it. Well, well, that company's got a license for it. I mean, these things change, don't they? It, it, licenses come and go. I mean, I can see my Spotify list list of songs you know they, they keep disappearing and that's because some licenses expired you know you know if 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 one company if sony buys some some studio and then decides they've fallen out with amazon then they start revoking licenses or not renewing them suddenly things are going to start dropping out of your out of your library of things that you think you own and maybe they'll give you they give you a voucher against your next amazon shop you know five years down the line i mean you don't really own anything be you know no if it's a really great film and you want you want to be able to watch it till the day you die probably you're gonna have to buy a plastic disc of it aren't you yeah but again there's incentives there so if you had the the blu-ray it'd be forced again if you wanted it all seen all dancing dolby vision dolby atmos 4k you think oh Got to buy another copy of the darn movie. But then Apple did the ingenious thing is, if you've ever brought it at HD, we'll upgrade it for free. Mm. Oh, that's that's compelling. That's brilliant. Brilliant move. Well, of anybody, I would trust Apple more, to be honest. I don't... I think they're doing okay in the coffers. I don't think they're going to go bankrupt tomorrow. But it is like you say, it's going to be all these rights things. So I think if you've already purchased it, you're fine. It's going to be in your library and still playable. What might be the problem is if, I don't know, like you say, Sony fell out with Apple and pulled their library, if mm. you wanted the latest Spider-Man, for example, then you probably won't be able to get on that service. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people are watching, people are watching Friends on Netflix uh, and then it, in America, at least, it's been pulled, hasn't it? It's not there anymore. You have to, you have to go to. Uh, it's it's part of. Is it part of Disney or is it part of um, part of HBO? I don't know. I think it may be HBO, mightn't it? Uh, now in, in America, so you have to subscribe to HBO to watch Friends. That's a bit it's of all a new, about the exclusives. That's yeah. a bit of a nuisance, isn't it? You know, so you know whoever, whoever thought they owned that or could watch it forever is is, is sadly disappointed. I mean, it's still on the it's still on UK uh, Netflix, but presumably it's going to disappear at some point. And ironically, even in the gaming sphere, which me and you are particularly interested in, is that Microsoft are buying studios right, left, and centre, and that's probably because of Xbox Game Pass, which is essentially a game subscription service, almost like Netflix. So they're bolstering their catalogue and library studios. And although Microsoft's saying, don't worry, Sony, your titles are fine to be shared while co the contracts dictate, but you just know in a few years' time, you yeah. know, now they've brought... Ooh, call ah, for James. I've got a call for James. Well, I'll speak to you later, Mother, sorry. <laughs> um, you mean she's not watching? I know, it's terrible. Well, maybe she's saying, I don't agree with that, James, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to put a call for him, stop this. <laughs> um, yeah, so Microsoft's been purchasing a lot of studios and there's, you do expect in a few years' time that something like a big title like Call of Duty may one day become either fully exclusive Xbox, now they've brought Activision, or 
is going to get exclusive content that Sony doesn't get on their platform. Yeah, yeah. And Sony now have just brought Bungie, which is a very interesting choice, given Bungie used to do Halo 4 Xbox. And I think Microsoft owned Bungie until they made them independent. Yeah, I mean, that, that. I mean, people seem surprised by the Bungie thing, but I... Uh... I, I thought that actually sounded quite quite sensible. I mean, the money the money seemed okay to me. I mean, I thought that I thought that whatever it was, sixty eight point seven billion for Activision to me sounded like insanity. But um, I mean, mostly it's a lot of studios. Yeah, it's a lot of studios, a lot of games, I a lot of stuff from their back catalogue, which is you know yeah. could be revived. There's yeah. lots of possibilities there. I don't like any of it, so I didn't think that was a very good deal, but. You know, I, I thought a billion for Minecraft was pretty good. And to be fair to Microsoft, they, they haven't screwed it up. No, actually, the this what you read in the press and stuff, the, the feedback from those who have been acquired by Microsoft, particularly in the gaming studio world, are really happy and they're working well mm. and they feel like their creativity has been mm. enhanced and pushed and encouraged, which is what you want. And I think if anyone needs that... It's Activision because <laughs> they've had some problems themselves. Well, but, Activision, yeah, Activision needed it, it needed breaking up, didn't it? I mean, it needed the management gutting out and the whole thing. Um, I mean, I, if I was Microsoft or whoever, whoever bought was it Microsoft bought them? Was it who, who bought them? I've forgotten. Who bought? Uh, Say again, sorry. Who bought Activision? I've forgotten. Microsoft. Microsoft bought them. So I thought yeah. that. I mean, I thought the money was was ridiculous, but if they break it, if they break that group up again and and let the individual components um, manage themselves in the same way, then actually that would work quite well. I mean, that it needed taking it needed taking away from that whole Activision weird broken management structure at the top, didn't it? So I guess it, it could I guess it could work out for those for those if if you're actually working for one of those companies, it might actually work out quite well. It does make Microsoft one massive beast, but I, f I think they still would be third biggest even then. Mm. But if we're talking about Xbox exclusive, which a few years ago anyone was saying, where are the Xbox exclusives? Where are they? Xbox One X was great as hardware, but they weren't really the exclusive titles to make it really shine. And even now between Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, you look at the exclusive the PS5 has, okay, Xbox has Halo Infinity, great. Uh, Forza Horizon 5, really great. PS5, they just seem to be churning out titles one after the other, and they've got their new sort of Horizon Dawn sequel coming out any day as well, which was like one of the best games I've ever played on in my lifetime. So... Microsoft definitely need to step up the game for exclusives and getting something tied to their platform. Mm -hmm. And if they can't do it with this many studios, there's no hope. I'm sure they will, but it'll probably take a few years before it will finally get through the pipeline to us. The thing is, it's quite difficult making new AAA franchises. They tend to come from a from a, a, t a tiny thing that grows. You know, you, you can't necessarily say to um, Blizzard or someone or, or 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 Bungie, can you make a new, make a new one? You know, it's it's actually really hard. 
Uh, and you can't just make it big from the beginning. These these things tend to, you know, like I mean, Minecraft. It came from nothing, didn't it? It came from a, yeah. it came from a, a basement, in Sweden, um, and built up. You know, uh, so I, I mean, I actually think it's for the for the existing brands, it, it or franchises rather, it, it it gives them somewhere to to keep going. You know, and probably Microsoft will manage them reasonably well. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to spawn new IPs successfully out of these purchases, which which I I would think is part of the plan. That that might be a lot more difficult than they think it is, and, and the money would have been better spent um, by by giving billions of dollars to to me. <laughs> sure, absolutely. And, well, and let me let me try a few end. ideas. You know, I'm sure one of them will be great. Well, before we end, we've got about 10 minutes left. Let's discuss this one because I find this one intriguing. So you posted, I think it was on Instagram, a picture of you playing Broken Sword on, and I forgot it was on this platform, the Game Boy Advance. Mm. So bear in mind, Broken Sword point and click adventure, CD with talking in it throughout, was also on the Game Boy Advance. Now, obviously, it was all subtitled and not full speech, but that was quite a feat to get on the Game Boy Advance. So how, how going back years later and trying it now, what were your impressions? And people complained that it didn't have the voices, actually. That was really funny. Oh, come on. How realistic was it ever to get voices? Well, yeah. Maybe, um, you, could get the, maybe you could get the first line. One, well, that opening, probably that opening, a decent bit rate, that opening sentence of, you know, Paris in the fall, uh, this, mm. this all, all that stuff, that's probably more than eight meg, isn't it? So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I actually wrote, I wrote about this stuff recently because it's, because it's part, it's, it's about midway through the book. So, um, I have to go back and, 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 and dig, dig through my, my diaries and stuff and think about how we did it. And I, I looked at the source code and stuff as well. So, I, so it's all quite fresh in my mind now. I mean, it, it was Bam's idea. They were the publisher, and um, uh, you know we had a big argument about what cartridge size we could use because I think most of them were two or four meg carts for the GBA, and they got they they kind of went up in powers of two, so it was like two, four, eight. In theory, you could get a sixteen or a thirty-two meg cart for it as well, but I think virtually not no game ever used sixteen or thirty-two because the the duplication costs were too expensive. So we we had a big fight just to get it onto eight meg, because they they were telling us four, but um, it was never going to do that. Um, we we did get it into we did get it into eight with, uh, uh, as I often talk about, eight bytes to spare on that cartridge. Um, but you know we we did it by basically it was a, it was a whole fresh implementation. It wasn't a case of porting the old game. It was a it was a new engine, and we we basically. Um, we spread, if you imagine, we spread the old game across the floor, every single individual component part of it, and, and picked up the key ones that had to go into the new game on the GBA and, and left the ones that weren't absolutely vital. And, and as we went along, we, we, we projected forward to see what we thought the memory usage was going to be if it carried on at this rate, so that when we got to the end of the game, having picked up the bits of the old game off the floor and put them into the new one, we, we got it just exactly right. Um, and we, you know, we, we had to, we had to compress more, uh, you know, the, 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 the backgrounds are JPEGs and we kept having to 
cut them more and compress them harder and to, to bring it back down into into fitting onto the cartridge and stuff and and obviously we we didn't you know all, all, all of the sort of the thing about broken sword is it's 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 got extra stuff in it it's got you know you've got the main line through the game but if you start talking to someone about the crowbar or something like that you know the sewer key that that or try and use it on something else or give it to someone else you, you'll get a response you, you always get a response in broken sword and obviously people love that so we, you know those kind of things fell by the wayside so the, the gpa version is more it's more the pure path through it that you that you get and the things to the side of it had had to had to fall by the wayside and obviously the history of broken sword director's cut is that it came from the gba version because there, there was at that point there was no way to recompile the original game it was effectively a rom um so you know when when, when ubisoft said can you add whole extra bits at the beginning there was, there was no way to do it you know so we built it on the gba version which and and went back to the floor and put more of those things that were left back into it but not, but still not all of them. Because I mean, even the even the the DS director's cut, which was the first iteration of the of the director's cut, it, it too was memory constrained, but but not as much as the GBA. So more more things from the original got put into it, but there were still things missing. But obviously, eventually, this version made it to the PC, and at that point, some of the original players, some of the original players, picked it up and said they've cut things out and you know we hate them for it and that that that's not quite true you know we didn't cut things out we just never got to put them back in so it's slightly different but that's that's the the torturous path of the director's cut but the gba version wow. yeah it was it was it was a fun little challenge certainly but it was done quite quickly so how did you manage the music because as far as atmosphere that music score is amazing and it's, I think Broken Sword 1, it just absolutely nailed it for me. So how on earth did that work on the GBA? That's a good question, actually. How did the music work? I mean, it was redone. It was just, it was the same sort of thing, really. It was, it was, it was recomposed into little, little fragments of tune using, wow, using whatever. I mean, it wasn't the big samples, obviously, from the, from the original. So we just, yeah, it wasn't like the CD stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that and it was all little scores. I mean, the original's made up of lots and lots, hundreds of tiny, fully full samples of Barry's orchestra um, that he recorded. Obviously, none of those, none of the samples could be used in the in the GBA. So it's just little, it's just little MIDI tunes, I suppose. It's amazing how these constraints bring new kind of invention. I mean, so a lot of the most exciting things is a YouTube channel called Digital Foundry, and they do comparisons. And I find the ones interesting between PS5 and Xbox Series X, and I think that's more because I know I've got the Series X and I want to know that, okay, it's at least matching the PS5, even if it isn't always going better than the PS5. It just makes me feel a little bit better. But it's, it's also interesting how the different systems are working to do the same goal. But what the one that really interests me is when say and this is doom eternal on the nintendo switch which is going to this really put it's almost like a gba in the sense of here's broken sword on the pc you're going to get on the gba well here's doom eternal that was really designed for pc platforms and powerful consoles 
and then we're going to stick it on this portable switch device, which is far less powerful, far, far, far less powerful with bandwidth issues and far less memory and stuff like that. And those videos are okay. Graphically, it never looks as good. The frame rate's probably capped to 30 instead of 60. But you know, what they managed to achieve with what is there is sometimes quite remarkable. And you think, well done, that must have took a lot of effort by developers. As you say, down-resing things and mm. cutting back carefully because you can go too far to the game looks absolutely atrocious. It's all that balancing act of can we still make it look a good representation of the original mm. without compressing the hell out of it? And it's mm. it's exactly what you've just discussed and they're doing that sort of thing with the Switch now. I suppose you, if you, if you're buying if you're buying it on Switch or whatever or the GBA, I mean, you, you accept that compromise, don't you? Yeah. I mean, in in a way, I mean, although the GBA sword is is obviously a lot less than the PC one, it's just that it's the, the sheer novelty, of the fact that you can be playing it on this tiny little thing that, um, yeah, that 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 is the thrill, I suppose, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I love the little GBA Definitely. version. I think it's I think it's really good. Um, probably probably one of my proudest things that I did because because it was basically my mine and Stevens's project. You know, we sat in a little corner and, and did it pretty much ourselves well we had a couple of helpers but but the main you know we weren't the main team at revolution doing that game um and of course the the, the other story about that is that we 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 were within two weeks of finishing broken sword 2 on gba and then uh the bam bam company they they collapsed so that game was never paid for so therefore it never it never never finished but it was in the last it was in the last two weeks of testing and tidying so it, it, you know another couple of weeks and we would that that might have gone off to duplication and been been a, a real thing and oh, i've got man. i found it i found the sources uh, you know on that big pile of hard disks so i've actually got it all now um but it'll never you'll never see the light of day i'm sure i can't remember what, so is it what bugs were in it still i mean it had a few little things it was oh. it wasn't done you know but it wasn't far off you could play it all the way through Sounds like a great game preservation, and that'd be something absolutely amazing if it can't be a commercial thing just to have out there one day. Yeah, I mean, if I was like um, retired and idle and had some had some time, I could get a GBA dev kit and maybe try and make it run again, you know. And then and then you'd be in a position to to release the the, the binary, you know. But it would take a lot of doing. There you go. Take a That's lot your second thing. Kickstarter then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean a gba dev kit that would be uh, that would be yeah, that's not gonna be a cheap acquisition it might not be cheap no so i think it wouldn't be an easy thing to um i mean it would be great though wouldn't it i have been thinking i think about it's it. one of those things yeah I, I i'd love to see that or at <laughs> yeah. least i don't know I mean, I look at things like uh, Scum VM and what you did with Beneath a Steel Sky and giving them access to the source code and things. If there's any community that would do anything with that, it would be someone like Scum VM. Maybe it's a an open source project. If not, you know, something well, you can take on yourself. There's there's options. If if someone was in a position to 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 do it, they can have the they can have the data. As far as I'm concerned, um, we'd probably yeah we'd have to talk to Revolution, but I can't. I mean, they wouldn't. They wouldn't mind. It's broken. Sword two is probably, is it? Is it free on GOG? I don't think so. You pay I think for it. Still a pay. Beneath a Steel Sky is f free. 
But I don't think any of the broken swords are. Yeah. I mean... But given it's GBA, maybe this is an exception. I don't know. <laughs> GBA. I mean, not, nothing bad could come of it, really, could it? It's not going like, to, like, drag the iOS sales down or something like that. It's, it's a purely specialist. I want uh, to... Th- yeah, it's probably, exactly. It's, it, it, it's game it, preservation. It'd be worth doing in terms of good PR, wouldn't it? Which is what drove us to the ScumVM deal type type deals in the first place. You know, it was just good good PR to to do that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, if there's someone out there who can do it, I can see what I've got. Um, but the, the the only thing is to to actually get the bugs out of the scripts and stuff would be quite a specialist job. So it wouldn't be easy. Well, uh, it wouldn't be easy. We'll have a think about that one. I'll have a think about that one and speak to a few people and see what can be done, if anything. But uh, it would be don't nice anyone get your hopes up, people. It's amazing how complicated these things to take fold and happen. I remember when I was doing my ScumVM Music Enhancement project, getting that off the ground took me quite a few years just to get all the permissions I needed and cooperation. But um, well, let's see. Let's just see what can be done. I'm going to okay. Google. Well, on that, I'm going to Google GBA dev kits next. Okay, you can let us know in the next podcast what the line cost is of one of those. Mm. Well, thank you very much for your time, Tony. It's been a pleasure as always, and we'll see you next time in the Game and Gadget Podcast. <laughs>